Welcome to episode 28 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. Please subscribe to Spencer Talks About Stuff and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also write a review and let everyone know what you think about the podcast. I am also now live on Spotify and Stitcher. There are no amendments today. For Spencer's favorites, I'd like to recommend a sandwich shop in Boise. Cobby's Sandwiches has been a Boise staple since 1978. They have two locations, one on Overland by the Overland Park Cinema and one on Chinden in Garden City. They have awesome sandwiches, and I used to eat there at least once a week in college when they had a third location on Broadway. Their staff is awesome, and the sandwiches are amazing. Once again, that is Cobby's Sandwiches. One location is on Overland, and the other location is on Chinden. And yes, I will settle this dispute once and for all. It is Chinden, not Shinden. Please subscribe to Spencer Talks About Stuff and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also write a review and let everyone know what you think about the podcast. Without further ado, here is episode 28 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. All right, welcome to episode 28 of the Spencer Talks About Stuff podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Jake Calhoun and Kevin Sommer. Uh, Jake is a contractor for the Postal Service, and Kevin is a student. They are both married with kids, and they are starting their own podcast. So how's it going, guys? Doing pretty good. Good. So I should let everyone know we have one microphone, and so the guests are going to pass it back and forth. So Jake, how's it going? Pretty good, man. Good. Awesome. So do you want to tell me a little bit about your podcast? It's called the Mission Prep Podcast, and what are you guys going to be doing with it? Uh, It's going to be... Kind of similar to this, uh, a sit-down conversation podcast. Uh, we're both planning on co-hosting it, and um, we have quite a few people we know in our lives that are interesting and have a story to tell, and also it's just an excuse to sit down and have conversations. So, yeah. Yeah. That's why I love doing it is because it's an excuse to hang out with people. It's an excuse to reconnect with people that I haven't connected with in a while, so mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kevin? Yeah, same thing you guys were saying. I just think it'd be interesting to sit down and get perspectives of people, um, you know, without the confirmation bias, you know, just having on people who are just in the same things that you're into. Yeah. You know, we want to be pretty broad and inclusive, you know. Um, yeah, we're open to anybody, even if it's, even if it's po- political, you know. Yeah. Maybe we'll let them talk a little more, you know. We won't, yeah. You know, it's, but, it's hard staying neutral because um, I've had a lot of people on the podcast that I know are, you know, either – very critical of what's going on right now or very pro Trump or whatever. And I try to stay as neutral as possible um, and try to provide, you know, kind of like an objective perspective on it, but it does get really hard sometimes. Yeah. So totally. Yeah. 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 Um, But so it's called the mission prep podcast. So why are you guys calling it the mission prep podcast? Um, I think it's because everything in life has a mission prep. You know, if you have, if you're a goal oriented individual, which I, you know, I recommend people should be, you know, you are on a mission and you're a pe- everything you do is probably for that mission. If you're training a CrossFit, you know, your fundamentals, you're prepping for something, you know, whether it's just be to look better, to feel better, to get a higher snatch, you know, and I think everything in life can be, you know, mission oriented or goal focused. Um, when people get away from that, you know, they kind of get, sometimes they just get depressed. Like I don't really have a purpose or a meaning in my life, right? Like Victor Frankl talking about, you know, meaning and purpose and, you know, for men, and, uh, you know, kind of like where the mission part comes from, you know, being ready for anything and always, you know, I guess training or doing something to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So mission prep is kind of just roll off the tongue. 
you know, encompasses a lot. Like yeah. what I'm saying right now, it's kind of ambiguous. But, I like it. I think yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. I, I don't like to feel ill prepared for things. Like if I know something's coming up at work or if I'm getting ready for a CrossFit competition or whatever the heck it is, an interview for a new job, I prep so hard for it that like once it rolls around, it's easier than the prep was. So that's kind of the mentality I take for that stuff. It's also super hard to come up with a name that either somebody doesn't already have. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or that just sounds cheesy or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, we went over, I don't know how many names. Yeah. Tons, tons of names. And Well, even if it's an LLC already or whatever, I mean, you can still do business as something yeah. else. So if you yeah. found a cool name, you know. Yeah, we... We were texting back and forth, back and forth, all yeah. these names. Then they got ridiculous. And, yeah. And I was so <laughs> But yeah, we, we, uh, we finally decided. And then Kevin, he also has a military background. And mission prep is a big thing in the military. And so we yeah. went with that. And, and yeah, that's what we landed on. And that's what we're going with. So Awesome. Yeah. So what did you do in the military? Yes, yeah, so I... Uh, most of my time in the military, I spent in a sniper section. Um, my time in Afghanistan, my second deployment in 2011, I was a sniper team leader. Okay. Um, what it, what branch were you in? I was in the army. Okay. Yeah, joined up in the end of 2007 in my ETS. Oh shoot, um, January 2013, something okay. like that. So it was over five years. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, so I deployed to Iraq in 2008, Afghanistan in 2011. Um, you know, it's Bravo four qualified, it's cyber qualified. Uh, you know, that was, a. it's a, it's not a, it's not as awesome of a job as people make it out to be like uh -huh. in movies or people that dramatize it. You know, when you do training, you're the one who doesn't get in a tent, you know, and we're in station Fairbanks, Alaska. Oh, wow. So, you know, we went out in field problems in like negative 20, you weren't in the tents with the guys you were in sleeping three, you know, three layers of sleeping bags under a poncho. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, you just lived with chill Blaine all the time, you know, just cold weather, small cold weather injuries essentially. And, yeah. You know, so the job you're expendable, you know, when you're deployed, you know, there's a rot rotation within the units of when they're going to go out mission, you know, pull a guard tower duty, you know, have QRF day, you know, but snipers, you know, it's like, Hey, you may be out with like first platoon, third squad on Monday, Tuesday, you're out with third platoon. You know, you're always just kind of used and you get overused and, you know, so the injury is kind of, uh, the injury is kind of built up as well Yeah. You know, between just, just the amount of weight you're carrying all the time. You're moving, you know, five click movements easy. Um, you have been hit by three IEDs, you know, been around a ton of explosions, so, you know, blast injuries, everything like that. Yeah. So I was happy to get out and kind of get, do something different. Was it your choice to retire or? No, not really. Was it like a medical retirement? Yeah. 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 It was kind of like a lot of, like a lot of guys have in this kind of generation of soldiers there. It's kind of, you can change your MOS, but with your ego and being a younger man, you know, you're like, I'm going to change my MOS. Yeah. Like it's all or nothing. So yeah, I'm getting out. Yeah. I'll take it. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So I got out and immediately was looking to go into school and I wasn't ready at the time mentally. I didn't realize how hard it was going to be a transition to try to get into school and be in that kind of headspace. So I was like, well, I'll just start training my butt off, get my, try to get my back together. Cause I started like a, it was healing. I had a fractured L5 vertebrae and you know, other things, a ton of bulging discs at one point. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, 
So I was like, well, I'm just going to get in the, get bulk up and then get back into CrossFit shape. I had started CrossFit in 2008 and so it was 2013. And so I was getting my lifts up just getting everything like squat and deadlifts to get everything at like 500 pounds. I was just trying to get it all strong again, you know? Yeah. And it didn't go well, you know, training that hard with that injury didn't, it, you know, went, went sideways. But, uh, yeah, it got me right into the, right into the CrossFit community around here real yeah. quick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you opened a gym, right? Yeah. 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 yeah it was Rally Point. Yeah. 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 And that was an awesome experience. You know, um, you know, I realized real quick that you realize what your talents are with your, you and your coaches and what, where you want to place them. And I realized really quick that I'm like the, uh, you know, the evil genius, I guess you put in a room somewhere, <laughs> but she like, I wasn't the guy who was good with the 20 person classes. Oh yeah. 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 And the guy who starts like getting anxious and not realizing that, you know, PTSD is a real thing. Yeah. And then you see like, you're swearing, then you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And everyone's just kind of laughing. Cause like by the 10, they're kind of friends with you at this point, you know, and you realize I can't run a big class. Yeah. I can run small groups of classes or just program and work with injured athletes and let people who are good with groups of people do their thing. You know, I think that's super mature that you realize like what your strengths are that you can adapt you right. know, and put yeah. yourself in the position that you'll, where you'll thrive. Yeah. So, yeah, no, cause the guy opened up with, you know, Aaron minor, he was, a he was just a butterfly and, you know, with people just, he, someone you didn't even know who could come off as very aggressive or assertive. He could just immediately, talk them down and get to know them real quick when they walked in the gym. Yeah. I mean, stuff, those are the skills I absolutely did not have at all. Yeah. You know? Um, so it was good to have him around and Alyssa around, you know, the women's perspective coming out of the military, you don't ever really engage with women. And I went in at 18 years old. I didn't know how to speak to women on a professional environment. Yeah. So having them, her around for that was awesome too. Cause I was then, yeah, I was just lacking in a lot of areas. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, I was more just like, read i liked i liked reading and nerding out you know anatomy physiology all that and really narrowing all that down that was my thing but. and and you said you're going back to school and you're studying physics yep and did you say astrophysics too yeah doing astrophysics emphasis. no way yeah that's awesome yeah it's I, that's been an obsession since i was probably six i think i was when hale bop came over or something yeah one second and uh yeah, it was a weird obsession. I was like, if I ever go back, I'll go for that. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, no, I'll go to mechanical engineering. But I was like, why would I want to try that hard if I'm not really interested in it? Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's just, I'm you know, at heart, I've always been kind of a nerd, you know, and that's what I like doing. Yeah, but, that's awesome. Yeah. Me and Kevin, we grew up together. We've okay. Been, we've been friends since we were. I was going to ask how you guys met. Yeah, yeah, we've been since elementary school. And then when he went away to the military, we kind of went our separate ways. And I had my own life. He had his. And. Even when he got out, we we'd kind of see each other with other friends. Like yeah. it was like we'd all get together and watch UFC fights, stuff like that. We were never super close again. And then it was a couple of years ago, we both started doing Uber on the side. Oh no way! And I think I started doing it first. I was working my full time job and then doing that. And when you have a family, you know, you do whatever you can to make ends meet. And I told him, I'm like, hey man, it's easy money. It's and he, like he was saying, he's not the most social butterfly. Yeah. But he got out there. Me and him were out there hitting the road every weekend night. Yeah. Until four in the morning. And Damn. So when we were doing that, and you're also dealing with drunks. And yeah. Especially the times we were doing it. And I'm a pretty social guy. I've always been. I could talk to pretty much anybody. Yeah. So that part came pretty easy to me. But I also, if I'm not drinking, I'm not a big fan of drunk people. 
Yeah. I was, like, I, I'm I used, with you. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to be a bouncer at, you'd probably know the end zone. Oh, okay. So I was a bouncer there for football seasons. Okay. And I hated it because I don't know, drunk people drive me insane. Yeah. But anyway, so we started, I started doing Uber. I told him cause I know he was short on money at the time. He's a student, you know, and we started doing it and we kind of reconnected doing that because we'd be out, like I said, till three or four in the morning. We'd, text each other back hey man you want to take a break and just sit in the parking lot and bs yeah so we'd go do that and we kind of we got really close again i mean it's to the point now we just bought houses in the same neighborhood and our kids are friends our wives are friends that's awesome and that's so awesome it's kind of like i mean i think of him as family now him and him and his family um but yeah and talking about him not being super social and stuff my intro to crossfit was going to his gym oh cool i had I had never done anything like that. I didn't play sports in high school. I played in junior high, but that was it. Yeah. And he told, he was telling me for a couple of years, like, dude, come to my gym. And I've always had weight problems my whole life. And it's usually cause I was lazy and bad diet and stuff like that. Yeah. And I've always had physical jobs, but still I've always had weight issues. And that was one of the hardest things I ever did was go to CrossFit. Yeah. And it was also, it was, it was, mentally hard for me to go and work out in front of people and especially not knowing what to do. And I didn't want to be that tough guy that like I can lift a bunch of weight and go hurt myself. Yeah. And that's one thing when he had his gym, he was so focused on form and he'd tell me, go slow. You're fine. You don't need a ton of weight. And it was, it was really cool. My brother-in-law was going before he's also a friend of ours for years and he, he's a heavier set guy too. And so that kind of gave me some motivation. Like, okay, if he's going, I can go. And then I went in there and it was just, it was eye opening for, and I learned a lot. I mean, I learned how to lift and do it properly. And I got in pretty good shape. Like, and at the time I didn't realize I was getting in shape. Now looking at photos from then, I'm like, well, I was looking good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard. Um, it's hard convincing people who like haven't been in a workout environment before that nobody's going to judge them. That's like the one thing that they're all worried about is like, mm-hmm. I can't go, I need to get in shape before I go to CrossFit. And it's like, no, yeah. you could go to CrossFit to get in shape. Everyone has it in their head that they're going to get like, even I, when I got done with football at BSU, I was like worried about going into the CrossFit gym, but you go in there and the majority of CrossFit gyms I've been to, nobody judges you. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. they, they were super, everybody was accepting. And I, then I got really comfortable there and I was going for two years, I think. And I left when Kevin stepped away from the gym. A lot of people left when he stepped away from the gym. Yeah. A lot of people, he says he wasn't that good with people, but people loved his coaching. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people left when he left. And then I was doing nothing again. And I, like I said, I I drive for a living. I'm a truck driver. And so I'm sitting and I was gaining weight again. And then eventually I started doing jujitsu. And that's been my favorite thing ever. I, I love it. I've kind of made a personal choice during COVID and all that. I haven't been going. Uh, they were shut down for a while. Yeah, yeah. They reopened. My kids were in the program. Uh, I was doing it. I've been doing it for about a year and a half. Do you go to the base? No, it's or? called it's called the Pit. So oh, okay. It's a like it's a world famous MMA gym. Like yeah, Chuck Liddell is from the Pit. Is is that over off of like is it Fifty Third or yeah, Glen, okay. Glenwood? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so. Uh, the guy that opened that gym was a pro fighter for 13 years or something like that. Okay. And he's out of California, out of the original pit, 
Chuck Liddell was his coach. Yeah. I mean, that was his mentor, him and John Hackleman, who is like a world-renowned – he still has fighters in the UFC. Yeah. But his name's Cruz Gomez. And I we started – my kid went into it first, and he went – because they do – it's a Hawaiian Kempo is what they call it, but it's, I would say, MMA pretty much because there's jiu-jitsu, there's kickboxing, stuff like that. Okay. And my son was about 10 years old at the time, and he's – always struggled with athletic stuff yeah and we team sports especially he he's kind of a perfectionist and if he doesn't do a good job he's mad and he doesn't get mad at anybody else but he's mad at himself and he just shuts down and i'm hoping later in life that's gonna be good for him because he wants to it doesn't it could be anything from sports to a video game to his homework if he doesn't do the best he's so mad about it. yeah yeah and so i was thinking maybe jujitsu i mean it's it's a you're relying on yourself and that's it and it was rough at first really rough i mean he he'd get beat and he'd get so mad but he started to he started to do well and he was going up in belts and he was going through the kempo belt system but anyways and he started doing really well and i was going to all his classes and i've always been a huge mma fan and I listen to Joe Rogan just like probably everybody in this room does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but and a lot of jujitsu talk on there, so I was always interested in it. And the coaches always tell me, like, dude, we have adult classes. Yeah, you should come do it. And I was, oh yeah, I'll be here one day making excuses. And <laughs> so I finally went, and my first class, it was just me and him. It was my first month. It was just me and him. We were doing like five or six in the morning, and going in there. Like, I've always been a big, strong guy, and I'm thinking, oh, I know he's been doing this forever, but I could probably pin him down, you know, and hold him there. I yeah. have no chance. Oh, I, yeah, dude. It's I, so humbling. And he, have he, you done jujitsu? Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he ended up coming and doing it with us. Yeah. But my coach, he's not a small guy. He's probably 200 pounds. Okay. That's 65 pounds less than me, something. I, I could probably crush him. Yeah. If he didn't want me to do something to him, it wasn't happening. Yeah. And it humbled me real quick. I didn't even think I had an ego until I realized, like, oh, man, I'm not – not as good at this as I thought I was going to be. You know? Yeah. And so I kept going, kept going. And then Kevin eventually came. Like he said, he's got some back issues. So that's the only thing that took him out of it. But we were we were both going a lot. And then there was more people in the classes, obviously. And then I actually did a competition. Oh, no a way. A tournament. Yeah it, yeah. it was fun. I mean, it was in the heavyweight division, especially when you're new. There's not as many competitors. Yeah. So they kind of took two age groups and put them together so it was like the masters and then i was the young guy one of the guys was like five years older than me so uh, he wasn't really old and the other guy was probably in his 40s yeah is it masters like in crossfit where it, masters is like 35 yeah that's exactly. so ridiculous that exactly. they call it masters <laughs> and and heavyweight in the jiu-jitsu tournaments the one i went to is called grappling industries or no it was the northwest submission challenge is what it was okay and i think it was the weight heavyweight was at 220 and up there's yeah. no, no cap on that. So, I mean, there could be huge guys. And I so, would drop down to 219 so quick. To oh, do which we, we had guys <laughs> at our gym that dropped down. Yeah. Uh, and I only had two opponents because there wasn't very many. They, and so the way it went is those two went against each other first. And then I was supposed to go against each of them. Well, one of them took a knee to the eye or something. And the medic came in and was like, hey, are you, you know, I think you're good to go. You can go if you want to, but if you don't want to, you have to. I was swole up huge. And he's like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't blame him. Yeah. I mean, he's doing this for a hobby. No need hurting yourself. The other guy that I had to go against was 
six foot nine. Oh my God. Jesus. And not an ounce of fat on him. Yeah. And he was a, I found out later he's a former uh, pro rugby player. Oh my God. Super athletic. And my thing in jujitsu is like, I'm, I'm pretty strong. If I can grab the back of your head and get you close, I'm not letting go. I yeah. can, I can reach the back of his head. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the only thing I'm thinking is, okay, do not let him get on top of you. And sure enough, he went for a single leg, took me down and landed on top of me. And he ended up tapping me out. Yeah. And so I got second place, but there was only three of us. Yeah, and I yeah, only yeah. went against one of them. So yeah. it, it was cool. It was yeah. fun. It was, I, I wanted to keep doing tournaments. But like I said, with COVID and stuff going on, we decided, me and my wife decided, we're going to take a break until one day when all this stuff is hopefully yeah. Yeah, I, done. Yeah, COVID has jacked up so much stuff in my life. We had so many plans to travel. Yeah, same, and- same. Even like stuff with the house, like we want to, I want to have more people over and do more yeah. things. And, um, cause we, we moved into the house a year and a half ago or more than a year and a half ago now. And it like, I don't know, it just threw a wrench into everything. Yeah. We're supposed to go to South America. We're supposed to go to Asia and we can't do that stuff now. Yeah. So it sucks. Yeah. We had, we had a lot of concerts planned. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We, Us too. We bought tickets to a bunch oh, of concerts. We were going, we were going, we had, uh, I don't know if you know Sturgill Simpson is. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he was going to be in Salt Lake, and I was super – he's one of my favorites. Got tickets to that, and then we had tickets to the Black Keys and Gary Clark Jr. in Salt Lake. Yeah. Canceled, canceled. We had a couple for here, and everything was canceled. So yeah. So it kind of sucked, but yeah, it it threw a wrench in the gears yeah. of everybody's lives. I mean, my, my job didn't change other than got busier. Like, I know my wife was laid off for a few months because of it. Yeah. Um, and – my job work with the mail, you know, and it became like Christmas. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was insane. It's finally just now starting to kind of slow back down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was nuts. I mean, the amount of mail we were moving every day and I drive a semi truck and I, I go between Boise, Nampa and Caldwell and I go to and from their post offices all day. And usually summertime's our easy time. Like that's time to chill half a trailer every day. No holidays. Oh, it was nuts it was nuts and it's finally starting to calm down now i think everybody's sitting at home ordering online yeah you know? but yeah it's it was it was crazy that my job got busier but yeah, yeah it's it's changed everybody's lives that's for sure so i was going to ask you for jujitsu with your back injury i mean do you do you go like if it's open mat do you go full bore or does do you adjust or kind of scale things i always feel the person i'm going against um i so I was actually, by the way, also a pretty good wrestler growing up. Okay. Um, I'm built for it. I've, I've got this like wide, long torso and short, fat legs, you know, like. Did, I was, did you guys go to high school in Boise? Yeah. Bora okay. High School. Bora. Yeah, no yeah, way. Graduated 07. I went to Bishop Kelly. So yeah. <laughs> we were kind of rivals. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, no. So I, even going back to then, I've had an, I've had an, have an issue with being an aggressor. Which is interesting because in the military, you're trained to react, not respond, right? Yeah. With immediate hate and aggression. That's the idea. Because um, people don't, don't understand it. That's what it's about. It's about immediately putting hate on somebody. Yeah. Right? And I can't do it in jiu-jitsu. Like, and Cruz will just sit there and he just sits on his knees. And I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, like, I can't attack you. Yeah. You have to attack me, man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't attack people. But... So I feel off, I base off of how they're going, how intense are they going, and I'll just match it. Okay. Um, but have, you don't have any restrictions? Like, you don't tell people, like, don't do certain things? No, because I don't want to limit them, and they know when I'm hurt, because 
I basically can't do anything anymore. Gotcha. That L4, L5 region, the nerves just, you know, make a spasm in the erectors and then I'm just done. Yeah. Can't yeah. bend, can't really do anything. Um, you know, so. Cheers. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take a sip. Sorry. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks but, for coming over, guys. Yeah. But no, so jiu it was fun for that because I, I love being explosive. You know, I love weightlifting, the sport of weightlifting. And I love being able to just explode. I, you know, uh, my mind is kind of like someone with ADHD. Maybe I do have it. I don't know, at least ADD, but I can't long distance run. You know, I can't do things for long extended periods of time. Like they have to be short and explosive. Yeah. You know, if it's one of those like five minute workouts, like 245 cleans, you know, five muscle ups, 200 meter sprint. Like <laughs> that's my bread and butter. Yeah, you know, yeah, Crush yeah. people, you know, on that stuff like that. In jiu-jitsu, I love being explosive and throwing people around and just grabbing a hold of them too. Yeah. Um, Gets you into trouble though because I was like that when I first started jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And like, you know, you go against a brown belt or purple belt and they just kind of like toy with you and then I just tire myself out and then they tap you. Yeah. 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 And there was carryover from CrossFit, I feel. Being able to be explosive for a longer period of time, you know, not just – you know, I've rolled with some of these guys and they would like bigger guys. Like there's a few guys there that were, you know, around Jake's size or between our sizes and they can be explosive for a little bit and then it kind of peters out and it goes a little bit. And so what I've taken, kind of taken from CrossFit is I can be explosive for longer. Yeah. I continue to do it, you know, not that it's going to benefit if you're trying to learn the movements, but if you're just trying to roll someone and fill each other out, if you can be explosive for a longer period of time, you're, you, you know, you you're going to take the high ground eventually. Like yeah. Ground, you know? Yeah. So I, I did, did notice crossover. Yeah. For sure. I've noticed, um, I started mountain biking recently with my dad and I get frustrated if we're doing like a long climb uphill. It's like, I just want to kick it into a little bit higher gear and just go like, and get it over with. But it's like, you're just going to tire yourself out and you have to stop and rest. So it's changing <laughs> your mindset a little bit where, yeah. you know, you just have to grind for a little bit longer, but it is, it's hard. I don't know if it's like the, quick twitch muscle fibers mm-hmm. and I don't have like the long twitch or whatever it's called. Like type um, one, type two muscles. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I just don't have that or if it's in my head where I'm just used to, cause I'm an offensive lineman. Like I was used yeah. to just hitting dudes and going five yards and that's it. So yeah. I think it's both. I think somehow your brain is wired around, you know, I mean technically right. Your brain stems connected to your nerves and your muscles. So your brain and your body are probably like, Hey, like, let's just like hit some more head with an ax and call it quits. Yeah. Maybe it's just like, you know, caveman or, you know, Nordic genetics or something. I don't know. But like, dude, long- that's, a, that's how I am. I'm like, okay, I could run up this hill way faster than I'm riding this bike. Like I'll yeah. just put the bike on my back and get <laughs> yeah. off and run up the hill. Yeah. But yeah, it's just no. a different mindset. Seriously. Yeah. You lost a bunch of weight, didn't you? You yeah. were a lot bigger when you were playing football. Yeah, I when I first got done, like my initial weight loss, I lost like sixty pounds, um, and then since then I've kind of fluctuated between two twenty and two forty. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like I said, I've always been heavy. CrossFit got me in better shape, and then the best shape ever was when I was doing the tournament for jujitsu. Yeah, I wanted to feel good. Yeah, and I was dieting right and going a lot to jujitsu and I got down to under 250, which for me is a goal. I mean, a, it's a good thing. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah, I, it was probably the best shape I've been in that I can ever remember. Cause I was always the fat kid always my yeah. whole life. And then the fat guy, when I got older and I've since, cause Kevin's been so much help to me 
even outside of going to his gym, like I have a full gym in my garage. He has a full gym in his garage. It's like a free personal trainer for me. Yeah. I just need to take advantage of it more. (laughs) And it's nice being around. It's just funny because like I kind of only associate with other people that are healthy and it's it's nice because it's just like a reciprocating thing. Like you can bounce ideas off each other about nutrition and like, oh, what do you eat for that meal? Or mm-hmm. you know, and it's you get yourself into a mindset, and then it's almost like you want to be like better at being healthy. It's yeah. like instead of just being better at like your Fran time or like have a better back squat, mm-hmm. it's like you want to be better at health your health stuff too. Well, it's like um, surrounding yourself with even people that are just positive. Yeah, general. totally. It, totally. Ma- it makes your whole life better and getting rid of toxic people yeah. and stuff like that. Because like, I have a small circle of friends that are close now, and I didn't used to. I've always had crappy friends. I Because I think I was friends with them because they wanted to be friends with me. Yeah. And as I got older, and there's more important things in life, like my family, my kids, my wife, I have a pretty small circle. I mean, it's... Kevin, my brother-in-law, and like that's pretty much it. And then my family. Yeah. And a lot of my friends out of high school and stuff, they were troublemakers, always doing stupid shit. I got in trouble when I was 18 with them. And after that, I kind of stepped away because I was like, I don't want to live my life like that. And some of those guys are, from what I've heard, are still in and out of prison and stuff like that. Like I said, me and Kevin were always close friends, but he didn't hang with that crowd like I was. Yeah. And yeah, they were just troublemakers pretty much. And and then Kevin went away to the military, stuff like that. And I, I kind of went away from them. Like I said, I got in a little trouble and then I had a lot of bills to pay after I got in trouble. And I was yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. I got to start working. And so I've, I've been just working my butt off ever since. And I've had a million different jobs when I was younger. I was a cowboy. I worked on a ranch for three years in in idaho or? Yeah, yeah yeah we were it was based just south boise uh but we would summer the cows up in donley okay which was awesome it was one of the coolest jobs in the world yeah the money sucked <laughs> like it was or it was 300 bucks a week salary yeah. and i worked seven days a week wow sun up to sundown yeah and it was it was a fun job i learned a lot i mean i learned how to run machines and drive trucks which i've carried over into what i do now but um but yeah, I had a bunch of random jobs and then I got my CDL and I found a career path, which has been really good. And then I got, I'm a contractor with the post office, which is a great career. But so, so do you, do you own your own company or own your own truck? Or no, do you, I work, I work for a company. It's based out of California. So they have, we have terminals all over the U S yeah. one of the biggest contractors for the post. Well, office. What company is it's it? called Matheson. Okay. They're big white trucks with either blue or green letters on them. Okay. Medicine. I used to work in supply chain at St. Al's. So I yeah. dealt with the 53 foot trucks all the time. Oh, but yeah. I don't know if we ever saw those trucks. Uh, no, cause all, all Matheson does their only contract is post office. Okay. Gotcha. And we haul all over the country and then each terminal only goes like a certain distance. Okay. So out of Boise, I think as far as they go is like Seattle, uh, Spokane, Portland and Salt Lake. Okay. And then we have a terminal in Salt Lake that goes further. But I'm all local because I have little kids and I like to be home with them. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And which is not doesn't always happen for new guys. I I kind of prove myself working. I, I work my ass off to prove like I'm a worker. I'm here for you when you need me. Yeah, give me a good route. You yeah, because it's a seniority based thing, stuff like that. And I ended up landing a good route when I'm home every night. But yeah, it's 
it's a uh, it's a good job. Like I, I don't want to do it for the rest of my life. Yeah, I be a truck driver the rest of my life. But it's a it's a good job. Like, yeah, it's, it's steady, very steady. It's my boss told me one thing when the Corona stuff started happening. He's like, I've never experienced a downturn in work, no matter how bad the economy was the post office is always running yeah and as you know the post office is in the news a lot lately yeah and i i still don't like i haven't dug in dug into it enough to understand everything but i i mean from what i understand trump is using the election as an excuse to cut some budget stuff Mm -hmm. you know like i from what i understand like those blue boxes they they do pickups twice a day at them they're going to cut it back to once a day. And then if there's too many blue boxes, like in a certain area, they're consolidating them. That as, yeah. That's as far as I understand. But like with everything that's going on right now and the mail-in ballot stuff, yeah, it's clearly not the time to do that. No, I don't know. And It's I, crazy because you have people either thinking that they're trying to rig an election, stuff like that. Um, they did make a lot of changes recently within the post office, like regarding my company, because I don't work for the post office. So we kind of have our own rules, but the post office for as long as I've been there, they could hold a truck for as long as they want. If they have mail carriers out and they're waiting on them to get there, which happens to me a lot, I have to wait till the last one gets in. So yeah. I get all the mail back to Boise. I guess the new postmaster general put a rule into effect. Like they can't hold trucks at all. They go on time. My dispatch time from Caldwell is six fifteen at night. And I do not leave there later than that. If there's still carriers on the road, then too bad. Trucks still leave. Wow. But the funny thing is on my route, They've gotten me out of there on time every night. I'm not oh. held up anymore, which I was held up a lot. Yeah. And well, you got to imagine in like a big metropolitan area. Yeah. And it's different for, I mean, every route of ours is different even here. But I know like my one post office I go to, the one that would usually hold me up, they're not holding me up anymore. And now this new rules in effect. So I'm kind of like, hey, I kind of like these yeah, new rules. Yeah. But I have heard of there was worries about mail being delayed, which would happen if they sent me without all the mail. It would yeah. until the next day. And so for me, it's been cool because I haven't had to sit around and wait. I hate sitting. I like to get my job done and go home. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's weird. like I've heard stories, seen stories in the news about like the postal facilities have mail just stacked up. Not here, at least. I mean, the mail's moving. It's yeah. like it always has. But it's hard to, as I, well, most people know, it's hard to trust any news anymore. Like, yeah. You don't know what to believe. Yeah. And it's hard to like... The stuff you see on the news too is mostly not applicable to Boise either. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's, I don't know, from like my my firsthand account of it, it's like I, I hear these stories on the news, I see what's really happening, and I'm like, and I, I don't know, it's it's hard to, everybody has a bias yeah. you know, on whatever side of the news, Fox News or CNN, yeah. whatever people believe in, that's usually what they go watch. Yeah. I try not to watch any of them. I think people should trust more independent news sources, and I... I've gotten into um, like Jimmy Dore and then The Hill and Kyle Kalinske. And they're all like kind of liberal-ish, but they're so objective that they don't like – they call out bullshit whenever they see it. It's not like they're ever just praising people or just bashing one side. And that's why I like their – they're just YouTube channels, and that's – I like them. I don't know if you guys listen to those at all. Yeah. I haven't, but I mean that that sounds like – I completely agree with that. Yeah. If someone's just agreeing with something or always trying to put somebody else down, like you see CNN and Fox News. Yeah. It's like, man, it's just a it's just a TV show. Yeah. It's tiring. And it's yeah. like I get I get upset. You know, I watch Tucker 
I do watch Tucker. I'll watch Don Lemon too. Like I wa- I like watching everything just to kind of see. And it's like I can just imagine these old people sitting on their couch at home, like watching Tucker Carlson and being like, "Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm pissed about that." And it's like, yeah. I, that's exactly what it's like built for, you know. And it's not. I don't know. There's too much opinion. It's it just sucks that you can't go somewhere that's just 100% objective. Yeah. 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 And I feel like sometimes as people get older, they lose the resiliency to filter out all the bullshit. Yeah. You know, you go to the, if I go to the, an appointment at the VA, it's like, oh shit, like it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, everyone's there six hours early for their appointments because that's, they got nothing better to do. They're retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> they're there all day just hanging out. Yeah. And then you get pulled into a conversation and it's just, it's never good. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's really, I meet really cool vets, you know, older vets there and I respect all of them, but you get pulled in some conversations cause they like, they find one of the younger guys and you're like, Oh man, like, you know, they just like pull you and they want to know everything. And then they just start going on the political end. Yeah. Then they'll find some way to put it in there. You know, like, Oh man, I got some new, got some new socks today, but fucking Hillary over here. Yeah, like, dude. <laughs> I, I swear to God, people inject that stuff. Like, randomly into conversations nowadays like i was having a conversation with an acquaintance of mine and they like somehow started talking about trump and we like weren't even talking about anything political and i was like all right i guess we're going there now yeah and then people like somehow some way people have made the um fires in california colorado and nevada that's like political now Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't understand how that even happened. It's Trump's fault. It's probably Obama's fault too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's still Obama's <laughs> Thanks, fault. Thanks, Obama, for the yeah. fires. Well, it's like everything's political now, including like the masks. Wearing yeah. a mask or not. Me personally, like if I go into a business, there's a lot of people, I throw my mask on. Yeah. I do it just to be respectful. Yeah. Um, like, first of all, I don't want other people feeling uncomfortable. And me personally, I'm not worried I'm going to catch it, but I don't want to pass it on to somebody. Yeah. My, my mother-in-law, she's more high risk. She lives with with me and my wife. We all live together, and I would hate to take it home to her and yeah. she gets it. And and so I I throw the mask on. I and it's funny because the other day I was actually standing in line at a store, and there's an older dude standing next to me, and he keeps looking at me. I'm wearing my mask, and he's out of nowhere. He says, "You know it's a hoax, right?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh no, yeah, oh here we go." And I'm trying. I'm like, mm, "Okay," I'm just trying to avoid eye contact, and he says, "You must be a sheep." I'm oh, like. God. Like, man, you don't want to have this conversation with me right now. Yeah. And then he turned away. But it's like, you don't know me. You don't Yeah. And I See, think- that's the way I am, too. Like, I have my own personal opinions about everything. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't really like standing out either. Mm-hmm. And if most people, like, I don't feel like the mask is treading on you that much. No. Because I can still go into Sportsman's Warehouse yeah. with my mask on and buy three ARs and all the ammo I want. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel oppressed when I'm wearing a mask. So... Yeah, I same way. Well, and yeah, it's I don't know, it's like people see if someone's not wearing a mask, they automatically think, "Oh, he loves Trump." Yeah. Or if they're wearing a mask, like, "Oh, they're a liberal." Yeah. And those I two things are like yeah, not they shouldn't, they shouldn't even be in the same conversation. Yeah, and, and yeah. I I wear a mask pretty much if I'm not if I can't get away, from, you know, the proper distance, whatever, I throw one on. Yeah. Because, like you said, I don't like standing out. I also want to be the asshole in the store without a mask. Yeah, or like end up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> it's, I don't know, and it's also like my wife, her uh, uncle, he's a doctor in L.A. He's dealt a lot with this whole thing, and we've, we've talked to him a lot about it. And he, he told us, he's like, masks work. He's like, that's why we wear them as doctors. Yeah. They do have a purpose. And, I yeah, I don't... 
I don't know. I don't know. Everything's political, but everything in the world, especially this year, is nuts. So it's yeah. like, I don't know. It's crazy. I just don't see how that got political. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so crazy like, to me. I don't know. It's like recently I feel like people have figured out that certain organizations can be influenced by money. But, like, that's been happening for forever. Yeah. And I don't know why all of a sudden now it's like, I don't know, people have very strong opinions about Fauci. And yeah. then Fauci turned and they're like, oh, who's giving him money now? And it's like, okay, it's so hard to figure out what's true and what's not true because of the narrative that one side's pushing than the narrative that the other side's pushing. Yeah. So. No. And, you, and it's hard because it's who's going to believe what, who's going to regurgitate what it's kind of like the family system, but on a massive scale, right? Yeah. Sociology, it's that family system. It's, you know, me and Jake could have completely opposite sides of the story because of our day to day experiences in life, you know, and or like Jordan Peterson's take, I was watching a video not too long ago and he was just saying that one side is saying something because they have, you know, issues in their own life that they can't deal with. So they attach themselves to a cause. Yeah. Right. Instead of dealing with their own stuff, their own shit, you know, whereas other people that are, I guess he was saying, you know, morally just who have good foundation are not going to do that, you know? Yeah. And that is kind of following right left wing in a sense. You have people that are left wing because they had a certain upbringing. So they're going to follow a certain set of guidelines. Yeah. I think life, most, most people know? are a certain way because they were raised a certain way too. Like, yeah. I don't know. I almost think like your political affiliation it, not necessarily that it's like the same thing as race or anything, but it is like if you grew up in a conservative household, the chance of you being conservative is way higher than if you grew up in a liberal household. So yeah, it's almost like determinism in a sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Based off. Of, yeah. <laughs> Dude. Uh, oh, I wanted to get, um, speaking of determinism. So we moved into this neighborhood. <laughs> we live in century farm. No. Um, it's in Meridian. It's like South Eagle Road. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, one of those things, like, I, don't, I something I never noticed before. I guess I, I've been so oblivious to it. But golf carts are a thing. Like out in the suburbs, dude. Yeah, but with no golf course. Yeah. Yeah. Like golf carts at the back seat. I knew like, that they had that like in Scottsdale, like where people really? are retired, and they have them around the bars in Old Town Scottsdale, oh. and you can pay a. a Golf cart driver like to take you home, dude. No, these are like legitimate, like Chads and Brads, like <laughs> just driving around the neighborhood. Dude, you'll like you'll know where the, it's funny because there'll be like a UFC like night, yeah. And I'll we'll drive to his house to watch it. And on the way, there's always this one house that's got about eight of them parked outside. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone's over there doing UFC, like, and it's all like <laughs> they just they're in this club. They have clubs, man. It's I can't get over it. That's so ridiculous. Oh. We have there's two public swimming pools in our neighborhood. Last weekend, we were at the pool, me and my wife and kids, and a bunch of the golf carts pull up, and people come in, and they, it was just the most stereotypical. They turn on their music, and they're playing Danger Zone. Oh, my God. And <laughs> Like they, high-fiving with you their were shirts there. off. Yeah, Kevin was there, too, yeah. And it was just, yeah, the, the, it's like, like say, Chad's and Brad's. It's, there's a lot of them, like a lot of golf carts in their subdivision. And there is a golf course kind of close. Maybe some of them go there. Yeah. So I give them the benefit of the doubt. But I had no idea that golf carts were. A thing. Oh, and they just cruise the neighborhood. Oh yeah, yeah, they're lifted rims. 
And like sometimes you'll see like like someone's letting their kid drive the golf cart. And like yeah, it's cool. Yeah. But like that's their mode of transportation in the neighborhood is the golf carts. It's 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 funny too because like living in that neighborhood, I know me and Kevin have a similar experience on how we were raised. We were both raised pretty poor, like not much money. Yeah. And now we live in like a pretty upscale neighborhood. And I personally still sometimes feel like I don't fit in in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is not how I was raised at all. And, you know, you want to give your kids a better life than you ever had. My kids and his kids both do have a thousand times more than I ever had. Yeah. But it's like, like imposter syndrome is what they call it. Yeah. I'm in there. I'm like, I don't belong in here. I really don't belong. Even if I can afford to live in there, I feel like I don't belong in there. And that's, it's weird. Cause like I should have the confidence, but I do belong in here. Well, I think people who grew up, like rich or with wealthy parents i think it's like i don't know they don't they haven't seen anything else you know so they're used to that and spending their money on weird stuff like golf carts yeah yeah i mean i would i I I don't think i would ever spend my money on a golf cart i don't look down (laughs) i don't look down on them you know whatever that's their thing but it is so funny you see them all cruising through the neighborhood and they have like flags hooked up to some of them flying and it's always hilarious we we make fun of them a lot yeah 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 i i have recently started thinking about this because i know a couple people who have recently purchased like extremely expensive cars and i i would never do that because i don't make that much money first of all but second of all like i have different goals and i want to do certain things with my money and just to me that doesn't appeal to me and if you're driving a lamborghini around like in boise you're it's like not wearing a mask like you're gonna stand out like i don't want to be the person that stands out like that i don't know it's just like even if i made a shitload of money maybe i would get a nice house but like i wouldn't want to go flaunt my money around i i don't know it makes you like a target it's just bizarre to me that that but sometimes people are raised in families like that and that's all they know so yeah people are accustomed to it then they're just they expect it because the going down falling in reverse is weird for some people yeah people don't like humility if you like humility the falling in reverse is like the end of your life you know for famous people for instance like actors you know but well no, i think yeah. i think you've seen it with some actors where they make so much money that they're like like I don't want to live in this lifestyle anymore and then they like liquidate everything and then they go be a nomad for a long time. Yeah. I don't know. That's healthy. Yeah, I think yeah. it's totally healthy. Like you said you're bringing humility back to yourself like, "Oh, who am I? I'm re- getting perspective again, you know. I'm not always that 25-year-old version of myself yeah. growing, you know." And No, yeah, just I think everything is you know, kind of become like a facade. You know, we we're just so materialistic these days that you know, everyone wants G-Wagons, right? Yeah, dude. I, Dude. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. I don't understand the G-Wagon. I don't know why the hell people like that car. There's like, performance-wise, it doesn't do anything. And it's like a 100000 or $120,000 car. I don't get it at all. Yeah. And I asked one of my buddies um, who used to be a dealer at like a high, or used to be a salesperson at a high-end dealership. And I was like, what's up with the G-Wagon? And he, and he said, it's exclusive. And I was like, okay, that... I'd rather have a car that everyone else has that's super practical than the car that nobody has that's not practical. Right. I don't know. I, you know, if you talk to mechanics, they say idiots own these vehicles, types of vehicles. Yeah. And doctors and lawyers who are leasing them through the business. Oh. You, you lease it through the business, 
And then, boom, every three years, they turn it over. Then some schmuck buys it. Yeah. And then they have all these expensive costs after the lease. Yeah. So the only smart people to have them are, like I said, lawyer doctors do the businesses, whatever else, you know. And, and I don't know yeah. too much about cars, but like a Mercedes, you have to take to a certain like European mechanic, right? Like you yeah. can't just take it to. It'd be licensed under, you know, licensed Mercedes mechanic. Or yeah. Anything. Yeah. And it's expensive. And that's why, I, that's why I go with the Tacoma. I've had Tacoma since 06. Yeah. Because it's like, if you're going to buy a vehicle for, it's a foreign that's expensive, it's going to depreciate, right? It's not land. It's going to depreciate. So if you're buying something that's expensive or like a pickup, then it better make you money or make your life better. Yeah. And a Tacoma can go anywhere stock yeah right? and get anywhere unless you don't know how to drive at all they can get you anywhere it's not very expensive it'll last forever the maintenance isn't expensive and obviously it's you know what it hold, it's number number one truck that holds its value yeah you know so i've had zero issues with my tacoma and it's no. i have the i think they call it like the access cab so it's uh -huh. four door but it's the the suicide doors yeah and then it's a five speed four by four and it's uh four banger but I, I love it, dude. Yeah. Like, I get good gas mileage. I've driven it as far as, I think we took it down to Tahoe. But, like, I don't need anything else. No. And I can haul stuff in it. My dog sits in the back, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think they're the, they're the best trucks. It's very practical. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, you know, I like, I, I know it's part of my anxiety, but I know a lot of people feel the same sometimes. Like, I see dudes and, like, big old like Dodges and Fords lifted like six, eight inches with massive offsets and tires. Yeah. And I was like, dude, it's like smallest dick contest. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Dude, it's like, I don't get it. Like you're, you know, like maybe it's just me being insecure, but it's like, you're not tough. It doesn't make you tough. It doesn't make you a man. I think it's fact, weird. I think it's weird when dudes have like a diesel, uh, I don't even know what, like a 3,500 and they put like the stacks on them. Yeah. I, I have no idea why that's even a thing. Rolling coal, brother. Like, I yeah, I don't get it, man. <laughs> that does not appeal to me at all. No, I think some guys, and I found this a lot Ubering too. Um, I have a lot of stories from Ubering guys like this, but they it's like they're stuck in a twelve year old's mindset. They don't grow up. Yeah. And so then to them, did you did you Uber in your Tacoma? No, I Ubered my Subaru Forester. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I got called a lesbian a lot. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> And because I had like the moonroof and everything, you know, yeah. it's, it's the, the, the XT touring that's a turbo and stuff. So it's my, it's my wife's. Yeah. And, uh, dude, Tacoma and your wife has a Subaru. That sounds like me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, no, she loves the Subarus, man. And those commercials, they get people like my wife, you know, like give them back to the community. Like, oh. Well, Subarus hold, hold their value too. Yeah, just like a do. Tacoma. Yeah. Like Subaru claims that all of their cars, they manufacture less cars than Toyota manufactures Camrys. Whoa. Yeah. Holy smokes. So that's why they don't make a whole lot in relative, relatively, you know? Yeah. But no, dude, that, that Forrester was fun. Like, but like I said, I meet, well, I, I did this thing. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. Um, so I would, when I'd get like rowdy guys getting in the car, it has electric seats. I'd raise it up turn my head was touching the ceiling. Oh my God. They'd get in and I, I, I was stocking your name right now. I was still lifting a little heavier. And you're like, dude, like, do you play football with BSU, man? Like, they think I was, like, huge. Yeah. Because my head's touching the ceiling. I think I'm, like, 6'5". Well, you don't want some drunk dude messing with you. No. Yeah. And it worked every time. It deterred people. They'd be, like, rowdy. They'd get him, like, oh, what's up, man? Like, <laughs> yeah. just, like. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah. Totally insecure move, but it worked every time. It, yeah. it deterred fights. You know, I don't like, I only got one physical altercation around 6th and Main. Kind of like the guys I was talking about before. 
he had a big beard, wearing plaid. You know, he's trying to pretend like he's a, a grown man, but he peed on the side of the car. Oh no! And then yeah, and he came and told me he's like, just so you know, I didn't pee on your car. And I'm like, you peed on my car, bro. Yeah. So I get out, and he came like he was in a cost me. So I put him on the ground, and yeah, the cops just came over and took care of him. And like they arrested what's him. What's going on? I don't, I don't think they arrested him. They just like like what the fuck's going on? And they chewed his ass. Like hey, he peed on the car. Dude. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the, and that was the night my son was born. That's why I remember that. Oh, my I, God. That happened, and some girls saw it. I'm like, fuck yeah, we're going to tip you. And then they're like, <laughs> you want a ride? So they're like, give him a ride for cash. Oh, my God. And during the ride, I get a call. Like, my wife's in labor. Yeah. And she's down at the the midwife birthing center by St. Luke's. Okay. And I was like, oh, shit. So I went right from there. I was up all night, man. And yeah. That was, a, that was a fun night. I can't even imagine dealing with drunk people oh. doing Uber. It was... It was interesting because, like I said, the time of night we did it, it was Friday and Saturday nights, usually 9 o'clock till 3 or 4 in the morning. And, like, neither of us wanted to be out there doing this. Yeah. But it was decent money like yeah. for how easy it was. So what – I guess I never really knew – I never really thought about it from, like, the driver's perspective. So do they – I mean, say I take a $10 Uber ride. Mm-hmm. Like, how much does the driver get? I think, like, out of 10 bucks, we'd probably get, like, 6 Okay. Something like that. But – I don't, and it's also, it kind of sucks because, like, some people look at, like, oh, he's driving Uber. What a loser. And to me and Kevin both, it was like, I'm just trying to feed my kids. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to make extra money. Well, especially if you, like, have a job, too. And you're yeah. Well, and, like, for, for me personally, it was me and my wife would use, we'd save that and, like, like vacation money, stuff like that, or extra things we wanted. Yeah. And it was, it wasn't something I had to do, but it helped a ton. Yeah. And it was easy other than the drunk. And some drunk people are awesome. Yeah. No problems. But every now and then you would get, like it's mostly like drunk college guys yeah who they're having a good time and they're trying to prove how tough they are to their buddies and yeah yeah like i never raised my seat up to where my head touched <laughs> the ceiling but but like i'm a good sized dude and i have tattoos and so people usually look at me and they're like they would say like you're a big dude i'm not that big like <laughs> and and like i said this was before jujitsu yeah i didn't know how to fight really but just being a big guy, usually, most of the time, well, people don't try. I avoided so many confrontations when I was in college or ended confrontations yeah. just because I was a big dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, people were like, I'd be like, do you really want to mess with me? And people just like, yeah. not, they'd be like, no, 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 I'm sorry. And like, mm-hmm. it, I kind of liked that because I never had to fight yeah. anyone, ever. It was like when I was a bouncer, I knew nothing. I remember my very first night, it was BSU versus Oregon. Uh-huh. And there was a lot of Oregon fans here. And the the end zone, the bar was packed. It was my first night. I'd never been a bouncer in my life. I don't know if it's Roadhouse or what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was in on the, you know, the back patio yep. at the end zone. I was up on the top. And then my other, I worked with my friends there. We all worked there. And my other friend was at the top of the stairs. And then my other friend was at the back door. And these two fans are getting into it, an Oregon dude and a BSU guy. And I'm kind of watching them, waiting for it. It's escalating, escalating. And one of the guys, you could tell he didn't really want to have an altercation. The other guy was kind of pushing it. So I tell my buddy at the back door, I'm like, dude, come over here. Let's let's take care of this. And as we're walking up, the one who wasn't trying to start a problem flips the drink out of the dude's hand. Oh, my God. And the other guy cocked his arm back to hit him. And my buddy who came in, he's this big Russian guy we grew up with. He's like built like Popeye. His, <laughs> yeah. his forearms are bigger than his biceps. Yeah. He comes in. The guy has his fist cocked back, and that guy disappears. He doesn't even get a swing on, on him. And I go to the other guy who was being calm most of the time. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, I'm like, I know you were trying to avoid that, but you got to go. We can't have that. He's like, All right, I'm cool. I'm cool. So I'm not even touching him. We're just walking out the side of the building. And he takes off running. Uh-huh. 
and he swings and he hits my friend. Oh my god! In the back of the head, my friend is also like a caveman, and he didn't feel it. <laughs> yeah. But he turns around and I grab the guy and I have him locked up now, and I'm like, "You are so lucky. He's not coming after you right now. Yeah. He would kill you." And then we threw him out the parking lot, and whatever happened out there happened. But that was my like first time. And oh I'm my like, god! I'm like, oh man. So then I learned to just kind of stand tall look like a big tough guy even though i wasn't yeah and i like, feel like if i was a bouncer i i would want to avoid like anything physical and like you mm-hmm. said like if you see two dudes about to get into yeah. it try to stop it before that's it starts. exactly what we did. and like like as you probably know with jujitsu after doing that i feel like maybe i carry myself a different way because i kind of know what i versus somebody who's never taken jujitsu yeah i'd strangle them they'd be yeah. done probably same with you i don't know how long did you do it uh i did it for like a year and a half but i've also been away from it for a while yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, i'm not as confident right yeah now. <laughs> well i i did it i did it for like a year and a half to, as well and i've been out of it now for maybe six months yeah and but even a year and a half versus someone who has zero time yeah you're gonna kill them yeah and i, I think people and that's what the thing that scares me about jujitsu is like now i know that there's killers out there. You know what other people are capable of. Yeah, yeah. totally. Like yeah. I wouldn't fuck with anyone. Yeah. Like my do you do you guys know Brad McKinney? He started Abide Jiu Jitsu. I, I know the gym, but it's not around anymore, right? Yeah. So they he closed it, and now he's working at Alliance Jiu Jitsu. Oh, that's the one with the Brazilian dude. Yep. The, we we dude, saw him up at Tamarack. They the got Brazilian a bunch guy. of Brazilian guys like there. Like the now. guy that he's like a world renowned. I, I think his he name's owns it or Gigi. He, yeah. 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 We we saw him at Tamarack like the summer we went up there. Yeah. But yeah, um, you know what other people. Are but yeah, Brad. Of. Brad's 170 pounds, like you said, and I. I always thought I could kick his ass, and yep. then I get on the mat with him, and he tapped me like 10 times in 10 minutes, and I was destroyed. Well, it's my the owner of the pit, my coach, his wife, co-owner of it. She's a tiny little thing, maybe 130 pounds. Yeah, I've rolled with her multiple times. She kills me every yeah. time, yeah. every single time, because techniques far better. She's been doing it way longer. Yeah, I mean, I could lay on top of her. Maybe she wouldn't move. Yeah. But she doesn't let me get there. Yeah. And she's choked me out multiple times. Yeah. And it that's like you said. It, you're aware of what other people are capable of. I don't want to go get in a fight with anybody out there. They might kill me. And yeah. that's something after that first day where I got my ass handed to me. If I were to get into it with anybody in the world that's trained at all, I'd be dead. Yeah. Like, there's no point. And, I mean, also, you grow up and you learn fighting's not worth it anyway yeah. but yeah and it is good to know how to defend yourself like i said someone who's not trained if they're trying to harm me yeah i'm gonna kill them yeah but it's it's a humbling humbling thing for sure totally i remember my wife tapped me um because we we did jujitsu together for most of the time that we were doing mm-hmm. it and i remember one time she got me kind of in a pseudo triangle but like my nose was up against her thigh and she was squeezing, and I tapped because I thought she was gonna break my nose. And she and I remember she was like stoked, and I was so fucking pissed. And yeah. I was like, the next roll, like I didn't let her do anything. But I was like, mm-hmm. if you can do that to me, like I'm confident that yeah. you could protect yourself if somebody tried to grab you or something. You know, well, I I roll with my 12 year old son, and I mean I'm I'm way stronger than he is. He's been doing it a little longer than me, and there's times he'll catch me. Yeah, and he catches me off guard, and he's on my back, and I'm like, I have mats and stuff in my in my garage. <laughs> yeah, so we'll go out there and roll around, and he's strong too. He's really strong for 12 years old, but he's the, he doesn't realize how strong he is, or he's a big kid. He's yeah, really big, strong. He doesn't realize that. We get out there and we're rolling around, and he will kill me if I if I don't if he catches me off guard. It's, yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's I don't know. I I love jujitsu. I just wish with like all the COVID stuff, it would. Go back to normal, as everybody said, and I can get back. Totally. 
I know, like, I know for sure the pit, they keep their stuff clean. Yeah. They've always been about cleanliness. I think most, like, I saw all this stuff pop up, and I don't know, like, do you still do CrossFit, or do you go to any CrossFit gyms, or? I I don't. Um, But you do it at home? I do it at home. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my wife still goes, she coaches at Principia CrossFit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, not very much. She's actually been in Alaska for the last three weeks. Okay. She was uh, taking a break. She's in a nursing program, so she's doing that. So when she finished her summer, her summer classes, she was in Alaska. But uh, And she's also the uh, um, the co-owner of Birth at Boise. Oh, no way. Yeah, I Powell. think then Ross has maybe talked to her. Ross? Ross okay. is the other owner for CrossFit Composure. Oh, okay, yeah. But he, we've been talking about doing the BirthFit stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be, that's that'd good be, to know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You got an in <laughs> Yeah. But I saw, you know, I follow the, the Boise subreddit and people were like, when, when it came back up that they were going to reclose gyms and there was a recommendation from the white house to push gatherings back down to 10 people and, and then close gyms. Like all of us were like, what data is there out there to support that? Like, has anyone tested positive at a gym? Has there been an outbreak at a gym? And nobody could answer that question. And I think the Central District Health in Boise was inundated with people who love going to the gym, like emails and phone calls. Yeah. Well, and they also, people who go to the gym are also usually people that go outside and hike a lot. Yeah. And people are less likely to be D3 deficient. Yeah. I mean, the statistics show that people who are diabetic or de- insufficient D3 levels are obviously, it's maybe not causal correlation, but it's a correlation. Yeah. So I think across the community, you might be... Well, and the other thing about smaller, like boutique gyms is like, we, we don't want our business to close. We're not a big, big box place. It's the same with like yoga studios, jujitsu gyms, CrossFit places. We're not Axiom. Mm -hmm. And they were like lumping us in with Axiom. And it's like, it's not, it's not even remotely the same thing just because we're exercising. It's a totally different thing. And that's what really pissed me off about it is. They're like, yeah, you have these gyms where 500 people are rolling through every day. And it's like, whoa, that's not us at all. You know, we have, we cap our classes, people maintain distance, and then we bleach everything after every class, you know, so. Well, you know, you said the, you think they were inundated with phone calls and emails. Yeah. So there's this strongman competitor. He's like a world's strongest man, a guy named Robert Oberst. You know okay. Who he is? They, yeah, it was funny. He saw him looking at houses in our neighborhood. Oh, no way. So he lives here. He's, he's, I think he's from Texas, but. Anyways, he lives here now, and he trains at some powerlifting gym down off Chinden. Okay. But, uh, Is it Berserker? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So, he, I mean, the dude's huge. He's been in the running for World's Strongest Man multiple Jeez. times. And I follow him on social media, and he's got a big following. I mean, national or international probably. Yeah. And he posted a thing about, you know, they were talking about possibly closing gyms, and he put it out there said, call email yeah and so all two hundred thousand or whatever his followers saw yeah. that and I, that might have been a big totally where that yeah. came from. when my when my mom sent me her letter and she goes hey can you proofread this i was like okay like tons of people are sending stuff because yeah. to get my mom to do something like that yeah. you know you gotta you gotta know that it's pretty serious and people care so yeah and it seems like that went away from what I yeah understand. it went away totally yeah. they dropped so it when, when this all first kicked off did you guys shut down completely. yeah, yeah. we had to so they did have a shutdown um i think it was end of february through like beginning of april mm-hmm. um 
I think that's the right timeline. I can't remember. That, sound, that sounds about the time. Yeah. Um, so we did shut down for a while and we did all online stuff. We only lost maybe six members out of everyone, which was awesome that people stuck with that's, us. That's awesome. And uh, we did Zoom meetings and programmed um, for one plate, a 45-pound plate for the guys, 25 for the ladies, and then a PVC pipe. And we based all of our workouts off of that. Yeah. And then uh, we also rented out some barbells and and rowers and stuff to people. But it was uh, it was pretty rad to see like our community come together and – encouraging each other on social media and mm-hmm. it, it was awesome well i know the martial arts gym my kid was doing it through zoom okay and they did the same thing with their stuff they rented out bags punching bags and yeah. stuff like that so we rented one from them and he was doing his online because he wanted to get to his next belt and he actually him and my five-year-old son he's in it as well they both promoted their next belt while at quarantine yeah and what they did is they did like a because they do a big promotion ceremony every every time and what they did is they went the two coaches went to the first person's house. They promoted them. Then they got in their car and got behind them, made a parade oh, no to the way. next person's house. And our kids were like one of the last ones. They had this whole parade of cars. That's awesome. Pulled in front of our house and they presented them their belts all like with, with the right distance between them and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, I, I don't know how many members they lost, but I know like me personally, I kept paying our memberships for is a couple months. Yeah. And I waited, like I said, I made the choice to not go back. I waited until they opened before I said, okay, I'm gonna have to put mine on hold for now or whatever we yeah. need to do. And cause I wanted there to be a gym to go back to. Yeah. And, and I, I'd like to go back, but I'm hoping, you know, within the next few months, things might go back to somewhat of a normal state where I think we have to wait until after November 3rd. I think that plays a big part. Just the, yeah. the politics of it all. Um, I just hope, like, and trying to remain 100% nonpartisan, yeah. if Trump gets reelected, I just hope the world doesn't get lit on fire. Well, that's, I've, I've said that to multiple people. I say, if he gets reelected, I'm scared of what's going to happen. Yeah. And the, 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 the combination that I think is going to be horrible for everyone, regardless of what objectively the truth is, is if Trump gets reelected and Derek Chauvin gets off. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't even want to think about the, that. Because the L.A. riots didn't happen until after the all those dudes got yeah. off. All those police officers got off in L.A. in 92. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hope, like, when it comes to that case, I hope justice is served and everything. I mean, it's everybody I've talked to, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on in politics, yeah. they think that guy killed the guy. I yeah, mean, oh, totally. You know like, what I mean? And I don't think you can watch that and no. not objectively no say that like he did something wrong well and people Um, i've heard people you know say well that guy wasn't an angel or whatever it's like he didn't deserve to die yeah everything everything that led up to that point doesn't even matter no no and then i think that comes a big part of it is lack of training i mean we have a few friends that are police officers and from what i understand they don't get a lot of training or a lot of refreshing in their training zero i've talked to two dudes so i had um a guy that does jujitsu. Uh, his name's Drax Delfico. I don't know if you guys know who he is, Mm-mm. but he trains at. Um, oh my gosh, he trains at the base, and he's a probation and parole officer. And he was telling me that they get their arrest training, like re-up stuff, once every six months. Mm-hmm. And then my buddy, who's a Meridian cop, he said it's either once a year or once every six months. And that's like your hands-on how you deal with people. Where like I think everybody should be. Every every cop should do jujitsu. Oh, I think a hundred percent. Yeah, because I mean, even like, it doesn't matter their size. Like I said, my coach's wife. Yeah, she could kill me who weighs two hundred and sixty pounds. Yeah, and I think better training. I mean, who knows? Maybe the guy 
Chauvin, maybe he was just an asshole. Yeah. And he was out for blood. But yeah. And maybe it wouldn't have prevented it. But I think if someone properly knew how to sustain somebody and de-escalate a situation without violence, then that guy might still be alive. Yeah. You know? I just think that there's so much in a case like that, there is a certain amount of nuance that a lot of people are going to overlook and what they charged him with, like they may have overcharged him. So that might be an issue too, you know? So I'm, that's what scares me, but I just, I want Boise to be how it was (laughs) and I want to be able to travel. Those are like my two things. No, I I miss Boise like growing up in the nineties and we were born in the eighties. You know, it's, or it was a small town feel, and there's never any traffic in our town. Yeah, there were town. no lights on Eagle Road, dude. Yeah, <laughs> there was nothing on Eagle Road. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like farms, you know. And but no, like I, I had this idea a while back. We were talking about it, and I'm just spitballing, you know. Like people here just want to offend anybody. I'm not being, you know, trying to be crazy here, but something like what Tim Kennedy does with Sheepdog Response, where he's incorporating jujitsu with firearms training. You know, if the police were implementing something similar to that more often. And you can control, you know your body. You're good at, you're fairly proficient at jiu-jitsu, really good with handguns, batons, whatever you need. Yeah. I think the more proficient you are with someone, something, the less likely you are to just jump straight to the highest um, cause of uh, pain or um, um, infliction of... Uh, <laughs> like um, pain on them or... Like, like, you, yeah. like they have levels. Like it's like if you can't de-escalate it with your mouth... This is the first thing exactly. you go to, and then it like gets all the way up to taser. And if the taser doesn't work, yeah, then it's you but pull you your can't firearm. Keep calm because you're not proficient in your tasks. Then you're going to go straight for that gun and shoot somebody. Yeah, right. You have to be able to trust your your yourself to be able to talk to somebody or you know, I guess physically fight them, or whatever. Before just going right to a gun, you know, and maybe even I don't, maybe even do the college degree idea. Like, yeah. hey, if you're not really invested in this, you don't have like a criminal justice degree then don't consider it. So my, what I think after talking to my buddy, who's a parole officer, he also has a law degree and he said that his law degree helps him out in the field so often just by talking to people. Like he knows how to talk to people. So it's like maybe jujitsu and yeah, some form of, um, rhetoric education would help too. But yeah, it's like once you get on the force, there's cops that train all the time for stuff and they do the tactical training, they do jujitsu, all those things. And then there's other cops who are like pieces of crap and sit around and do nothing. It's just funny that like one force could have that range of yeah. people. On and the, and the, the good ones, because like we know some of them, you will immediately tell you like, yeah, there's, I don't, I'm not friends with half the guys I work with because they, it's like you're friends with people who are also healthy, fit, have similar life choices. Yeah. Cops are the same way. Like, yeah, you got to back your own. But even with, within that, you know, people like, yeah, I don't like that cop. I don't like a lot of cops. Cause yeah, there's still clicks they're in lazy. the force. Yeah. That's yeah. bizarre to me. Like, cause I'm sure yeah. you've seen it in the military too. Cause I, do you know soft rep? Yeah. Did you ever follow or listen to their podcasts or anything? No, I didn't. My, some of my buddies have, I didn't. They, now they're behind a paywall and I don't pay for it. So I don't read the articles anymore, but they used to put out stuff about clicks and like weird subgroups in the special ops community. And there were like, there's like hippie dudes that all hang out together. It's just weird how like in every community there's cliques and yeah. you find your little tribe of people. Yeah. And, and they find their places like the, like drivers, drivers, usually the guys that, you know, are behind the PT tests, they love just drinking. Yeah. And they're also the ones that like playing most video games. You know, so your drivers are all usually friends with each other because they're kind of the guys who are like the, 
the geeks, you know, but they've always got movies. Oh, so yeah. it's like they've always got the movies, man, including you know the good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> when, you're when you're deployed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you've got your clicks within there. Then there's the guys like us who are like, you know, I when I started CrossFit, I actually started in Iraq. We deployed in September of '08, and um, we just started doing it. And we like I've probably heard the story before too. Like we started on hero workouts. Yeah, I think there was maybe 30 of them at the time or something like that. Like, well, we'll do one a day. I mean, yeah. I was 19, so I could get away with it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and but, for people who are listening, a hero workout in CrossFit is a it's a workout that's named after a service member or a first responder who died. Um, I think either in like training or the line of duty, mm-hmm. um, but they're pretty brutal, long, hard workouts. So yeah, and we were doing the first time I did Murph. It was I think we came back from I don't know. It's like a six hour mission. We were doing some stuff in Iraq, and uh, we came back and it was around a hundred degrees. Oh and we God. did it RX. Dude, and a lot of it was just running through, just, you know, they laid down gravel on dirt. I mean, so even the running conditions weren't good. But yeah. it's like, we were going to do this, man. And I, I, you know, like I said, because of maybe just raw genetics and age, didn't get rhabdo, but it wasn't a good idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were still doing it in like 40 minutes, like, just, you know, just puking while we were running. Yeah. Like, that was, you know, that was, that's not smart to know this now in hindsight. Yeah. But that's what you do in your army. It's like, if you're puking, you better be running still. You're not stopping. Yeah. You and know? if you're in that mindset, too. Yeah, it's hard to get away from it. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I know it's changed some since I got in. I, it, it, in 2010, it kind of took a turn where guys were getting their cell phones on like Sundays and basic and stuff. Um, but it wasn't that way still when I was in. I, It's awesome not to have that stuff. The first song I listened to coming out of basic training, which is 14, 16 weeks long, was The Pot by Tool. Oh yeah. And it's not like just you turning on listening to it now. Yeah. It's different experience. Yeah. Listening to music. If you go, go without it, watching movies is different, you know? So I think going without things is really beneficial to perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, makes you appreciate them more. Yeah. 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 And you get the humility. Like the first day I got to my unit and I had to choke myself, dude. It was just like, you know, they pull stuff from the movies. It's funny how sometimes reality copies, you know, full metal jacket. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Choke yourself. Yeah. And it was always about elevating your feet, man. If you do anything, if you stare at someone wrong, to elevate your feet. Yeah. They'd find the highest thing in the room to elevate your feet off of. Yeah. Basically doing handstand push-ups That's- at the end of the day, dude. <laughs> elevate your feet. Like, yeah. No, it's it's a, yeah, it's definitely like a fraternity for sure. Yeah. yeah that whole thing. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you too. So are you, how, how far into your college stuff are you? I'm a junior. I graduate... I think fall of next year. So have you done the astrophysics classes yet? Um, I've done the, yeah, I've done like a dog <laughs> 204 and 205. Okay. So 204 was like a, they were just trying it out. It was with a uh, Dr. Mark Peacock. Okay. And it, is it newer astrophysics at BSU? I, think, I, think, I don't know. 2008. Maybe. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I, I'm guessing. Yeah. But, uh, Oh yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. We were uh, so I did like two four and two five, which were more basic, but they're super fun. It's kind of like finding mass and distance of stars. You know, like what's the mass of Betelgeuse? You know, based off of you know its radius. Yeah, because it didn't for square law stuff like that. So this semester, like today, I'm in uh, electromagnetic theory, uh, computational physics, and astrophysics. It's astrophysics four oh nine. Okay. So. um you know, it's a little different at all being online. I imagine it's going to be a little more difficult. 
Yeah. Um, do, you, do you guys have to do labs too for physics? I have a lab for computational physics and you have to get a lab partner and everything. And so I'm not do you come. Do you still go on to campus for the labs? No, this is no. all online. Oh, wow. So I got to figure out how to communicate with a, a lab partner. I don't know and get the labs done. And yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be harder. Cause even cause in the spring when they shut down school, I was one of the classes I was in was, uh, um, um, quantum mechanics. And when we went into online, it was harder because you like having a professor right in your face, being able to ask questions. It's more intimate, you know? Yeah. As soon as you're in online format, it's, you know, I I feel like it's hard to get as much out of it. Totally. You know? Um, but it is what it is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as long as you pass the classes and get your piece of paper, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what, is there any goal with it? Do you like, um, I wanted to do the PhD, but in reality, moving kids, my wife around to do that is yeah. not realistic. Yeah. So, I mean, cause are, not, are there job opportunities with that degree in Boise? No. I mean, I could work it, with a physics degree. You can still work as like an engineer. You can, cause you're basically showing that you have the ability to learn, right? You're a learner. Yeah, yeah. So you can still be like an engineer, work your computer programming or coding if you wanted to. Um, you know, uh, so it's kind of, I guess, whatever you're interested in. I mean, if you're interested in something, you're going to obsess over it anyway, and you'll be good at it. Whether yeah. Your degrees in that field or not, I imagine, but totally. Um, I mean, cause I, I mean, that's kind of with CrossFit, you know, I can't, I can't count how many times I've had people who were exercise science majors who have made the statement like, I feel like I've wasted a lot of money because I have no idea what you're talking about. It's almost over my head, you know? So Whoa. If, if like when you're, if you're really motivated to learn something, you don't necessarily have to be like, Oh, my degree was specifically mechanical engineering. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you're intelligent, you're going to learn the field. You know? Yeah. Um, so I don't feel doubtful. I can get a job. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get to is, you know, even without the PhD, cause that's a PhD in physics. It's, you don't really, you're not really, no one's going to pay you salary to, you know, be a NASA or something like that. I think most PhDs know? end up just teaching because <laughs> right. I've looked into it like, and I, I'm still considering going back to school possibly at some point. Um, but everything I've read, it's like, yeah, what can I do with a PhD in public policy? And it's like, well, you can teach other people about public policy. <laughs> right. It's just yeah. funny that that's like the number one thing. Yeah. 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 No, seriously. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think the whole system is, I don't know. I don't want to be like, I don't know, like an asshole about it, but I think it is outdated. It's still part of the industrial system education, you know? Yeah. Like, why is it four years? And if this was government funded, which everybody wants, like a lot, not everybody, a lot of people will say, you know, the government should be paying for school. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually all about that. You know, I'm not Republican or Democrat, but I, I'm all about school being paid for, right? But I think they should, community college. Two-year degree. Right. And we don't have that in Boise. No. Yeah. yeah. And and the thing is, I think a lot of people don't understand, is if the government is paying for your, your college education, they're not going to pay for you to go to four years. If you're an engineering major, they're going to say, you know what? You don't need UF 100 or 200. You probably don't need English 101 as long as you can write decent. Yeah. They're going to start cutting the fat off of your degree. Totally. And I'm all about that too. Yeah. Like, I don't understand for my degree. God, I had to take math classes i had to take humanities i had to take theater and those have nothing to do with what i learned in my degree yeah you know it just doesn't yeah. make and any they sense say it makes you more well-rounded but no it doesn't because 
those kids in there that they just try to get their grade and they fucking, it, it's just right over them. They don't retain any of it. Yeah. And there's someone who didn't take any of those classes that learned it on their own and has a way better idea of it than you do. Well, I think you higher know? education, like college, why, why are you trying to well-round people when they're in college? Like you yeah. already did all that yeah. in middle school and high school. And studies have shown that people with average or above intelligence will seek that information on their own. Yeah. And when you seek it on your own, you retain it. Weird. Yeah. The same studies were done by colleges who enforce the same, you know, principles. Dude, I swear yeah. to God, I've learned more since I've been done with college and like since I've gotten into YouTube and like read books on my own. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned way more than I did in college yeah. and retained way more. Yeah. Or listening to podcasts. Yeah. Or audio books or. Dude, two, the first podcast I got to is in 2013 was Barbell Shrugged. Yeah. And I was like, such an awesome podcast. They were three cool ass dudes that were really asking good questions going. And I liked how they just went around at people's gyms. Yeah. They were just touring, you know, yeah. essentially and going around. Dude, I used to listen to that all the time, but it, uh, I feel like they got to the point where they kind of yeah. sold out a little yeah. bit, but yeah, it's like, <clears throat> we've both been podcast fans forever. I'm sure you probably were as well. Why, yeah. Why you want to do one? I don't even know when the, when I like first, I think it was after college when I started listening to him. Yeah. But, well, it's funny cause I had heard of podcasts forever. I'm like, how do you even listen to a podcast? Yeah. And then I'm, I think five years ago I started listening. Joe Rogan was one of the first ones cause he was already starting to gain some momentum and become huge like he is now. Yeah. And then there was one like, do you know, black rifle coffee? Yeah. 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 So those guys used to have a podcast. It was called Drinking Bros. And okay. It was literally them sitting in their garage just BSing. Yeah. That's all it was. And I would listen to every episode. Yeah. And I've also like, like never being in the military, I've always been really fascinated with military stuff, people that were in it. I want to, I want to know what they have to say to me. Like that, that there's more intelligence in that than going to college. You've been through so much, you know? Yeah. And yeah, dude, I got to, I'm the same way. I got obsessed with like the seal books. Yeah. Like I read like no easy day and lone survivor and fearless yeah. and all those books. Yeah. Well, I've always, since I was a kid kind of had an obsession with it. And it was funny cause I'm one of the only one of like a lot of my close friends that didn't join. Oh, Kevin joined a bunch of my friends joined the military. So some, yeah. some of them are still in and, but I've always been intrigued by it. So these guys, it was four veterans started this podcast in their garage and I would listen to it all the time. And I'm, I'm out driving my truck at work. I'd put it on, then put on Rogan for a while, whatever. But listening to that one, <clears throat> I, I loved it. And you, you weren't going to learn much on it. But it was just literally them. I still think, like, if you listen to somebody else have a conversation, it, like, opens up your mind to stuff that maybe you haven't oh, thought 100%. about or, like, a different perspective. Well, actually, one of the guys on that, I remember when they were doing that, he had mentioned that he was doing uber on the side that's where uh, i got the idea oh yeah hearing yeah. that i was like man that's not a bad idea to go make a little money yeah and kind of a funny thing about that guy so when they when they started that black rifle coffee uh, three of those or a couple of those guys went off to do black rifle and then one of them kind of went his own way and he went to do acting and in hollywood and stuff and he ended up getting a role on you know the sons of anarchy yeah, yeah, yeah. so they did a spin-off called the mayans and okay. it's like the mexican motorcycle yeah. game and he got a role in it He's like a big, big, huge Mexican dude, neck tattoos. Looks like, looks like he's hard. Looks like a Mayan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was like an army ranger. He does a lot of charities. Really good dude. He's not a gangster at all. Yeah. But he fits that role. And he got a full time role in it. So, I've followed all those guys on social media forever. And when me and Kevin decided to start a podcast, I just sent out a 
message to him on Instagram, like probably never see it, whatever. And I was like, Hey man, you know, me and a friend are starting a podcast, any advice you have? And then he messaged me back. I was like, Whoa, I didn't expect that. And he said, you know, like this is the mics I recommend. And I was like, Hey man, thanks. I, any advice you have, I'll take. And he's like, what's your phone number? I'm like, gave him my phone number and then he calls me. Oh no way. Which the guy did not have to do. Yeah. I mean, he's got enough going on. And when he calls me, he's like, yeah, I'm driving home from a golf charity right now for the USO. And like, what the hell? That's awesome. Like, that is awesome. And he told me, like, this is how you upload a podcast. This is the stuff you should get. You want good sound, all the stuff you probably heard. And, yeah. And so I, he's like, you have my number. If you need anything, text me. Yeah. Or call me. I was like, no way. Yeah. And so I texted him when we, because that kind of lit a fire under me. And actually, to be honest, you gave me, you motivated me a little bit. Oh, cool. Because I saw a dude in Boise's doing a podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, let's fucking do it. Yeah. And me. Me and Kevin have been talking about it for a year. Like, let's do it. And then we're like, oh, whatever. We didn't do it. And then he got this new drum kit, and it has a mixer. I'm like, dude, you have a mixer. Let's start a podcast. Well, it turned out his mixer didn't work uh, for vocals. Yeah. So I ended up buying a mixer and all that, all the stuff we need. But, yeah, hearing yours kind of motivated me a little bit. Cool. I was like, man, someone, someone local's doing I mean, were you raised here? Uh, so we moved here from Southern California when I was 10. Mm-hmm. So, so I, you've lived here most of It's because like, I don't know, to me, when you grow up in a smaller place like Boise, like it doesn't seem like things are as available as if you lived in a big mm-hmm. city or, or getting out of, so especially to me, getting out of your comfort zone. That's always been hard for me. Yeah. Stuff like that. So like starting a podcast and boy, who am I going to talk to in Boise is what I was thinking. And like I heard a couple of your episodes and I'm like, these people are interesting. Totally. Like, Dude, like, the coolest thing is like no matter who the person is, yeah. they have a story. A hundred percent. Everyone I, has a I story. I was super engaged in a couple of the episodes I listened to yours. And then I was, and like I said, we talked about it forever. And I was like, Dude, me and Kevin, we know a lot of people that have some really good stories, military backgrounds, police officers, all walks, all walks of life. Yeah. And I have some people at the post office I know that have like there's this one lady I'm trying to talk her into coming on when we do it. She's just started the post office. I don't know how old she is. She's older than me for sure. Yeah. Sweet, real soft spoken. And she tells me she was a drill sergeant in the army for oh my God. like a extended amount of time. I'm like what? Yeah. I'm like, you need to come on my podcast. And Dude, it's so cool to find out like, yeah, what certain people have gone through in their lives. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, between you, you starting one and cause I've followed you on Instagram for a while, which I think I started following you back when I was doing CrossFit. Oh yeah. yeah. Somewhere in there we got, I found you or you found me or something. And I remember like, okay, I uh, dude, I drank the Kool-Aid so hard. I did all the competitions and yeah. And, and hit I hit the open hard and I yeah. never, I never did a competition, but I would go to him all the time to see the other guys do it. And stuff yeah. like that. So somewhere I've been following you for quite a few years and I saw you started one. And I was like, man, we should do it. We, and then when I, talked on the phone with that dude his name's vincent vargas and he told me i was like that little fire under me like dude kevin let's do it yeah let's freaking do it man and so then i was texting that guy the other day saying hey man thanks for the advice we're actually starting it and i was like if you'd be a guest on it that'd be cool and he's like yeah man of course i was like no way that's so rad and he i think he lives in salt lake okay and i told i'm told him like we'd make the drive to salt lake to have you on and he did tell me like a big part if you want your podcast to go is promotion promoting it and other than social media, I'm like, how, how do you promote your podcast? And he told me, he's like, if you can get somebody with a big following to come on yeah. and they tell people they were on, that's going to get you some listeners. Yeah. And so if he really does come on, that'd be cool. Yeah. Then more people listen to it. Yeah. That's, that's what we want, you know, all around. I, I think we're mostly starting it for fun. I mean, 
anybody, if you ask anybody that has known me for any extended amount of time, I love to talk. Yeah. I won't shut up. <laughs> That's something I'm gonna have to learn though. When we're interviewing people or talking to people, I'm gonna have to let them talk more. Yeah. And I, I it's funny. It's funny what you learn. Like, I have certain tendencies that I try to fix and try to yeah. work on. And it is cool because it's, I think you learn how to communicate better yeah. too doing it. Um, and I know, I know some podcasters do like, they don't like listening to it and they like just putting it out there. But yeah. some people have said like, listen to yourself. How hard was f- it getting used to your own voice? Uh, not really. I no. mean, I'm, I'm kind of used to it now, but like we're, we are not wearing the headphones yeah, yeah. right now. And normally I I'm plugged in with uh-huh. the headphones just to make sure that like ambient noises and stuff aren't yeah. bugging us. And, uh, it, it is a little weird. Most yeah. people hate it when they first start, like when they sit down, but by the end of it, you're so locked in and engaged yeah. that that's one thing we were talking about is like, cause I, I already know I don't like the sound of my voice. I think that's most people. Yeah. Cause you sound so weird to yourself. Dude, I sound, I feel like I sound like a <laughs> skater kid. <laughs> Well, I like, don't know. I don't, I don't. I don't even know. But like, I, I and I'm gonna have to listen back to it because we're gonna be editing it and stuff like that mm-hmm. to get it all ready to roll. But yeah, we wanted to start it forever and and just start rolling, man. My first episode, yeah. my wife and I like. I think a few times throughout the first episode, we're like, "Are we really gonna like put this out there?" And I was like, "Might as well, man. Yeah. Like, why the heck not? Yeah. You have to start somewhere." A hundred percent. And like Kevin with his military background stuff he's been through, uh, he's got a million good stories. If he's comfortable enough to talk about them or not, we'll find out when that comes. Yeah. But I don't know. Like we've, we're, and I, me and him both, I think have an interest in other people. Yeah. Like I'm so curious. I, I like to hear where people came from, why they're where they are, if they had problems in their life, how they get through them. Okay. So I have a question. Yeah. About you guys. Yeah. So you've deployed twice. So you've been to Iraq and Afghanistan. Have you been anywhere else internationally? Technically, yes. Yeah? Where? Like uh, Turkmenistan, Kuwait. Okay. Uh, so were you able, like during your deployment, could you go out and like act as a civilian kind of? No. No? No, no. Um, no, these are stop places. Like I've, stopped, I've been through Germany, the hospital. Yeah. You know, you stop in Ireland on the way over. Gotcha. Um, so not like going out and... The most you go out is when you grow out, you're out on a mission. Gotcha. Um, but you never just took a vacation to like Europe or something. No, we we wanted to go to. I I, I kind of wanted to go see like Sweden and Germany just because it starts from where my family's originally from. Yeah. You know, so I just want to go see the area. And my wife's Italian and like Native American, so she wants to go like Italy. Is like that be would be awesome. You know. Yeah. The coolest place we've been to was here was like Havasu Falls. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is tits, dude. Like yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> it's such a, a it's a weird way of describing it, but it was <laughs> I understand I get it. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the coolest places you can just go hang out for like what was it four days? It's going you're walking, wading through the water and the waterfalls. Yeah. You have to climb down this wall that's just literally like rebar and chains. Just, yeah. Just go you know, like that was one of the coolest places, but no, like international, no real vacations. So you said some he said something interesting about um things not feeling accessible, like when you're from a small town. So many people I know haven't traveled and it's it's almost like they don't know that they can. Like yeah. anyone can do it. Anyone can go like anyone could fly well, to Munich, anyone could fly to Italy, you can go to Buenos Aires, you can go anywhere you want. And the one barrier, I guess, is cash. But like, I you could put it on your credit card and pay it off. Like the experience yeah. to me is one thousand percent worth it. Well, I think it's because we're 
I'm going to say this loosely, but because we are such in a materialistic environment, it's like, do I want an experience or do I want to upgrade my car every two years? Yeah, or yeah. do I want this TV? It's like if you, your parents lived without all this shit yep. and did just fine, you just accept maybe not having all the things you have and go travel. I don't know. And maybe not everyone values that either. Some people are really just homebodies. Some people are very content just staying at they their house. Be, they want to be on Instagram with their fake nails and do their thing, whatever, and not be yeah. realists, I guess. You know, Dude, but- I love being in an environment where like my wife and I went to Czechoslovakia. No, well, we went to the Czech Republic, and we were in a very small town. And speaking of where your family's from, it's where my great-grandmother was from, and she immigrated to Nebraska from the Czech Republic. And nobody spoke English and my wife and I were like, Oh shit, we have to figure this out. Like it was just a cool experience and I never felt unsafe or anything. It was just like a, a weird, bizarre experience that I don't think a lot of people want to experience or have experience, you know, from Idaho, <laughs> but I've never even been out of the U S yeah. <clears throat> like I said, born and raised here. Yeah. Me and my family never traveled. And to me, I was one of those people like, that's not possible. You can't travel. I remember I went to California once when I was a kid to Disneyland. Yeah. And that was a huge deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we drove to Minnesota once. <laughs> and that's like as far east as I've ever been. Now, so when I met my wife, my wife loves to travel. She's been to Italy. She's been, I think, to Spain. Um, She's been to Mexico. She's Her mom's from Mexico. Oh, cool. Uh, And so since I've been with her, we've traveled a bunch compared to what I came from, never traveling. Yeah. And it's mostly been like the western U.S., um, and she, my wife's from California. She moved here as a kid. So we go there pretty much every year this year, kind of put messed that up the yeah. plans there. But, uh, yeah, we've traveled, I've traveled way more since I've been with her and I, I would love, I want to go to Ireland and Scotland. That's my back, my heritage. Yeah. And I'd love to see Europe and stuff like that. I <clears> even <throat> think there, there's spots in the U S that like, I don't know, you go to Seattle and you see all the islands and it's like, holy crap, like, could you imagine being here when there wasn't technology or you couldn't go oh, on your phone to nuts. see what island you're on? Yeah. And people had to map it on boats and I don't know, it just like sparks something in me when you're in a new place. It's like, what would this have been like without technology or if mm. you were an explorer or you had to deal with native tribes? Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's well, a it's cool like how different the experience is in each place, even in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like you go from here to around L.A. Yeah, everything is so. The people are different. The way they drive is different. The they way don't they, smile at you. No, and and I think that <laughs> comes down to so many people crammed into an area. Mm-hmm. It's like when it comes to the driving, it's like you have to drive like that if you want to get somewhere. And I think we're seeing that here with the growth here. We're having two kinds of driving trying to mix together, and it's yeah. not really working. Yeah, but. I think with the growth, people who are from here who are used to a slower pace, they're going to have to pick it up. And like I said, I drive for a living. I see it every day. Yeah. And the traffic gets worse every day. And But like no matter, like we went to Austin. That's one of my favorite cities I've ever been to. And the people there are so different than they are here. And I can only imagine that's what it's like going to another part of the world. Yeah. But And I'd, lo- I'd love to. I'd, but I just think, US. yeah, part of it too, like the human aspect, like you were talking about, when you go to a new place you kind of realize that like people are people like no matter where you go, kids are going to be kids and have fun and stuff. And adults need to work and make money. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's people aren't that different as foreign as places seem. They're not that different, Mm -hmm. you know? So I was going to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been like, I've been to yeah Georgia, Alabama, you know, New Jersey. Yeah. uh, My father-in-law is originally from New Jersey. 
so we went there for like a family reunion and uh now it's well they're a lot different i would say yeah, <laughs> yeah you know in terms of like police and firefighters the culture is even different over there than it is you know here yeah. East Coast is a very big deal you know and yeah it's weird like there are parts of the country where people are super proud that they're from you know it's like i'm from texas i'm from the south i'm from yeah. new york city and it's like i'm from idaho and like i'm it's cool here but i'm not like it's it's not what defines me yeah you know no i think the northwest is the best though i mean i it's it's easy to say when you live here but like you can do everything you want yeah you have deserts you have mountains you have i mean you have just everything dude um i just think it's the best place to live you know, I even, in general. my wife and I went to um, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, and Nebraska recently. We did this big road trip um, about a month ago. And like, I could even see myself living in those places, you know? And it's, you hear North Dakota and you're like, what the hell is in North Dakota? But we went there and the people are so freaking nice. The towns are not what I think they were going to be like. I mean, you picture North Dakota in your head and you think yeah. of like podunk middle of nowhere, but it wasn't like that. Um I don't know. It just, it's, I think it's good to have perspective and not think that like your little life is the center of the universe. Yeah. No, I mean, our, when our family came over from Europe, they started a farm in North Dakota. Yeah. And then like half, you know, like my, my, I mean, my father was adopted, but his dad, they went to, his mom and dad were both went to law school and they moved to Lewiston. Okay. Came to Boise. But yeah, so their whole family was North Dakota. Yeah. And they, I guess they loved it, you know. Um, it's just kind of interesting that, yeah, no, it is all a little different, you know. You got, yeah, I, don't know. I just don't like, uh, I, don't know, I just don't like the growth. Yeah, you know, and Boise promotes it. It's like weird. It's like a business or something. Like, yeah, we want the growth. We want the people, but yeah, it's like I don't like traffic, man. They like the numbers going up, and they like the yeah. things it does to the economy. But right. Like, yeah, as someone who grew up here, like if you get to the age where you want to buy a house mm-hmm. and then you can't afford a house, I mean, I've seen that so much yeah. with friends of mine, and it sucks like dude i i what bothered me ubering too is you you know like we grew up in the north end like on 15th street right across from uh, washington elementary everyone that was taking this couple home there from california like we bought this cash in the house or this house in cash it was like the next door house it was like they've got this like 385 houses are so cheap here yeah i'm like dude like the fuck out of here yeah, yeah, yeah. like we like i'm from here i could not afford to move back to the north end yeah it would not happen yeah um you know, it's just unrealistic. And then, you know, they make comments like, oh, the traffic's so much better here, though. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but it's still relative. To me, the traffic is ridiculous and the housing costs are ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it's going to get to the point where people are going to look for, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be Bozeman or like maybe somewhere in North Dakota. Like, that's going to be the next Boise at yeah, some point because yeah. Boise's going to get so huge. I mean, I don't know what the timeline's like, but I mean, you go out to Meridian right now in Nampa. And there's like Costco out there. It's yeah. just like shit that I never thought would happen. Yeah. Like I think North Meridian could be its own town separate yeah, from Meridian. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, I I think Emmett's going to blow up next. I my, my wife's parents just retired there and the neighborhoods are crazy. There's neighborhoods there that weren't there five years ago. It's yeah. nuts. No, my sister moved out there. My aunt and uncle moved out there like in the early 70s. Oh, yeah. So they had like a whole like horse farm and everything. But no, they're, you know, it's like, now it's growing. It's getting, you know, cause it's Marid- or, uh, Emmett and Cuna, like the cheapest places in the Valley to, so they're just blowing up. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yeah. Um, guys, well, we are coming up on an hour and a half. Um, I know you said you've listened to some episodes and I'll give you guys both a chance to talk to, but, um, 
I like to give people the last word on the podcast before we close it out. So the mic is yours. I knew this was coming too, and I didn't even think about it because I've you don't even. Have, I mean, you can you can, and I didn't even warn him that that was coming. No, you can pump up pump up the podcast or yeah. put a good vibe out there for well, everyone for sure. When we do start our podcast, which should be next month, September, we'd like people to listen to it. Um, but I don't know. Last word. I just think everybody should be nice to each other. Whoever's listening to this, just be kind. I mean, like we were just talking about, we're all people. No matter where you're from, whether you politically disagree or agree or any agreement or disagreement, you can get along. Yeah. Uh, I have friends that have completely different beliefs than I do, and that doesn't define somebody like I think you said earlier. I think people, especially in times like this where everything seems so crazy, I think that's what's going to get people through this is love. Be be kind to one another. Find your group, your, your little circle, like I said, I have, and then hold them close and yeah. just be, be kind. And I'd say give people a smile, but you can't see them through a mask, but <laughs> give them a, give them a what's up. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah just, what I just, do. just, that's all I, yeah. Acknowledge them. Yeah. Be, be kind. And yeah, that's what I have to say. Awesome. Um, you pretty, pretty well. Um, everybody love everybody. ELE. Yeah. We yeah. used to say that in college all the time. Everybody love everybody. Yeah. yeah. No, that's all I got to say. The same thing, you know, if, uh, yeah, check out the podcast. Mission Prep Podcast, Mission right? Mission Prep Podcast. And it should be live we next month. If you want to check it out. Yeah, we okay. have an Instagram already going. Um, follow us on there. Yeah, just follow us on there, and we'll start posting some pretty sweet pictures, and yeah, we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for being on the podcast. Um, I think we'll do this again at some point, and then I think I'm going to be on your podcast at some point as well. Yeah, you are. We definitely like to have you on ours when we get it up and running. All right. We're just waiting on some equipment to get in. Yeah. And then it'll be going. But yeah, we're, we definitely want you to come on and we can kind of let you tell your side of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, I yeah, appreciate cool. you guys being on. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Okay.